to see you all. As our theme for this year is living faith, we are learning how to live by faith in spite of whatever happens in life as God's people. And today, we will look into another example of faith, faith in action through this passage. And I pray that we will we'll be encouraged and challenged to live by faith in our own lives. Uh, this passage, this story is perhaps known to many Christians. Well, now as you observe this passage in depth, I would like, to, uh, I would like for us to focus on three characters in the story. And we will try to get some uh, godly insights in, in, so that we can build our faith as we continue our lives. Three characters. First is paralytic. And second, we'll look at Jesus. Third, we will look at those four friends. But first, let us look at the condition of this paralytic. Clearly, uh, there, there was a man who was paralyzed, and the four friends of him brought him to Jesus, and uh, expecting to be healed. So they activated their faith, and they brought this man. And here he goes. Now, this man's physical need was very urgent, it seems. He was paralyzed. We know that. But we obviously don't know how severe his paralysis was. I mean, it is bad enough to be in a portable bed that he had to be carried. But we don't know exactly whether he could move any of his muscles or not. But it was urgent matter for him. Perhaps for many years he was paralyzed. So that's why they brought him to Jesus um, for the healing of the physical paralysis. But interestingly, as we read this passage, what was Jesus' response? I mean, Jesus knew they were there. They brought this man, this paralytic, to be healed. And in a way, everyone kind of probably expected that the Jesus, they want Jesus to heal this man. But in verse 5, Jesus actually replied as he saw the faith of these four men. And he said, son, your sins are forgiven. And this response obviously caused some people to be shocked. Uh, we read that already, but we will talk more about that later. But it's kind of interesting that they came to Jesus, they brought this paralytic to Jesus so that he can heal this physical urgent need. Yet Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. Why did Jesus say that? Well, Jesus was not only focusing on physical paralysis, but he's actually looking into the heart and saw the spiritual paralysis of this paralytic. More important than even physical paralysis was his spiritual paralysis under the power of sin. Again, we don't know if this, his physical suffering was directly due to any particular sin in his, in his life, but it's biblically possible that it was or it wasn't. We don't know. But regardless, we know this. This man was a sinner, which meant that his ultimate need was not the healing from God, 
but forgiveness of sin. His urgent need was a physical paralysis, but his ultimate need was spiritual paralysis under the power of sin. And this is the ultimate need in all of our lives. What is our ultimate need? Yeah, we need a lot of things in order for us to live. We need a lot of physical things to live. Our ultimate need, however, is never physical. I know that a lot of us, some of us, some Christians, we struggle with physical pain, just like this paralytic man. We have a physical conditions in our body that really uh, pains us. Some of us are struggling perhaps with the financial, uh, financial uh, the problems. And yes, it's very difficult. Those are urgent needs, perhaps. But know this, my brothers and sisters. Our ultimate need is never physical. Our ultimate need is always spiritual. In fact, all of our physical suffering ultimately goes back to this spiritual source, sin. When sin entered the world, so did the suffering and pain of all sorts. And our ultimate problem is that, that we are actually separated from God by sin in a world that is full of suffering in this fallen world. So our ultimate need is not to be healed from some kind of physical paralysis, but to be free from spiritual paralysis through forgiveness of sins. That's why Jesus came to save us from sin. Yes, Jesus did a lot of, a lot of uh, uh, miracles to deal with the physical needs of the people, but that was not the ultimate reason that he was here. He was not here to just heal the, heal the para paralytics or blind men or, the, or, or, or your problem. He was not just here to give you bread, though he fed thousands of people one point, right? But that was not his ultimate reason. Ultimate reason was to meet our ultimate need, which is to be to give us the forgiveness of sin. And those who are under the power of sin, which all of us, in a way, we are spiritually paralyzed. And then when Jesus saw this paralytic, he saw beyond the physical and said, yes, your urgent need might be the physical paralysis, but your ultimate need is deeper than that. It's your spiritual paralysis. Now let's focus on Jesus, our Savior. That was the condition of this paralytic. Look at what Jesus did. What, what he did. First, you notice that Jesus has the power to know the hearts of men. He knows our hearts. He can read our mind. Isn't that kind of crazy? Yes. As soon as Jesus pronounces the forgiveness of this paralytic's sin, he looks over at the teachers of the law in their questioning and accusing heart. Right? They thought, what a blasphemy. How dare you, as a mere man, can say such a thing that the Son of Man has a... No, no, the, 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 I, the Son, your sins are forgiven. 
Only God can forgive. What is he saying? And Jesus knew in their hearts what were they thinking. Did you know, my brothers and sisters, he knows what is in every one of our hearts right now. He knows exactly if you are with Christ and focusing on him in this service or your mind is wandering away to different places, he knows. Did you know that when you are coming to service reluctantly, oh, because my husband makes me to, because my wife makes me to, because my parents makes me to, he knows your reluctant heart. Did you know he knows even before you say a word, he knows exactly what you are going to say. Jesus knows your heart. All of our hidden motives, all of our secret thoughts, all of our secret sins, we don't want anybody else to know about. Jesus knows. Why? Because he is God. We'll get to the point. But Thus, when you come to Jesus, when you come before Jesus, every time you come to the service like this, Every time you come before the Lord in his presence in your own way, there is no point hiding anything from him. There's no point for hiding or giving excuses. There's no point to pretend to be someone that you are not. Don't we do that whenever we meet people, whenever we talk to people, we pretend in a certain level. Even husband and wife there is a certain line that we cannot cross and we don't want to show everything. I mean, how is it possible for us to show, to be exposed to someone completely? But before Jesus, you are completely exposed. He knows your heart. He knows your fear. He knows your motives. He knows your malice. He knows your sin. So when you come to Jesus, why would you try to hide? What's the point? So what will be our proper response to Jesus when we come to him? I think we just need to repent. There's nothing to hide, Lord. This is what I am. This is what I struggle with. This is my fear. This is my motives. Lord, I really, this is my heart. You give it to him. And if sin is there, give it to me and say, Lord, this is my sins that I struggle with. Forgive me. Come. Don't pretend. You cannot hide from him. Where can we go? Jesus is God. And it is my prayer every time you come before Jesus. Come as you are. Bring your everything and then let the Lord transform you. Let the Lord do his work that you be free through forgiveness of sins. Well, that's the first thing. Jesus has power to what? To know our hearts. Second, Jesus has a power to heal our sickness, our physical sickness. Well, Jesus is the son of the living God, the creator he is the creator. If you look at John chapter 1, you can clearly, clearly uh, see that Jesus as the creator. From the very beginning, Jesus was. 
Before Abraham, Jesus was. Before anything was created, Jesus was with the Father. He's the creator. Jesus is the son of living God, the creator. He is God himself in the flesh. And he can meet your physical needs. Do you really think he cannot provide physical needs for us? Do not underestimate the power of Jesus, power of our God. So it's okay to ask God whatever you need. He can heal. Clearly here, he can heal the physical sickness. He can provide our physical needs. And he can also protect us. As a matter of fact, his miracles were the confirmations of his identity as God. The reason why Jesus was going around, by the way, this was not the ultimate goal of Jesus to give us the physical needs. No, but he did. He's saying, my provision includes not just the spiritual realm, also the physical realm, all of you. I know that some Christians think, oh, as long as we just focusing on the spiritual things, oh, God will bless you the spiritually only. Well, spiritual things first, yes, but also physically. That's why he teaches us how to live as a physical human beings. It's not some kind of uh, abstract idea that Jesus is teaching every single day in your life, how to manage your money, how to manage your relationship, how to manage your body, how to manage your work and career. All that. Jesus instructs. Why? Because he is, has a power to heal our physical needs and sickness. If someone is sick, we better pray. Yeah, depending upon his will, some are being healed, some are not being healed. I understand that. I know very good Christians die out of terrible disease. And I'm sure they pray to Jesus, please heal us. Does that mean that Jesus doesn't have any power to heal our sickness? No, he does have a power to heal. But somehow, he did not allow the healing to be real in their physical lives for some reason. We don't know his, his mysterious will and plan. But one thing for sure, he does have power. Then if I were you, I would pray. Why not? I might not receive it because he does not will it, possibly, but at least I know Jesus can, then you pray for someone who's ill, even physically. Amen. Why not? He's our Father because He can. But don't be frustrated, nor don't blame Jesus if He doesn't heal you right away or heal someone right away in their physical sickness because in His mysterious will, He will do what's the best for that person. Now, Jesus has power to heal the physical sickness. Thirdly, Jesus has a power to forgive sins, our sins. Verse 5, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were still there thinking to themselves, verse 7, why does this fellow talk like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately he knew in his spirit that that was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why 
are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say, this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or say, get up and take your mat and walk. But I want you to know, the Son of Man has authority, to, authority on earth to forgive sins. In this statement, the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. This statement even more caused even more scandalous scandals amongst the teachers of the law. And they were right to think only God can forgive sins. Yes, only God can forgive sins. A mere man cannot forgive other men's sin. But through this statement, that means Jesus was basically claiming his identity as divine. If only God can forgive sins, and Jesus said, I have authority to forgive sin, what is he telling us? He is telling the people, I am God. I am the divine. In fact, he used the title, the Son of Man. What is the Son of Man here? Why didn't he say, Son of God? If he wanted to show to the world and expose his identity as divine, why didn't he say the Son of God? Well, by the way, the Son of Man, this title, you'll be hearing this in the New Testament. Jesus always used this title to claim his identity as divine. And you might say, Jesus never called himself the Son of God, but the Son of Man. Why? Then why? He didn't claim that he is Son of God. But why do you say he is the son of God? He said he is the son of man. By the way, this argument is usually presented by many Muslims to the Christians. To Christians. Jesus never claimed himself to be divine. He always said he is the son of man. He never said son of God. Well, in the Bible, the title, the son of God, was actually used previously in the Old Testament referring to sometimes angels, or sometimes God's faithful people. One point, if you look at Genesis, even Ezekiel, you say the angels were called the sons of God. Did you know also, if you look at Psalms, David, King David, was also one time called as a son of God, as a faithful servant of God. But what's the son of man then? So son of God in the Bible does not mean that, that he is divine. But what does he mean by the son of man? In Jewish context, the title, the Son of Man, is actually has special meaning to it. It has the identity of the divine to it. Why? If you turn to Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 through 14, you will know. And if you're the teachers of the law in the Jewish context, they all know this passage, Daniel chapter 7, specifically verse 13. Let me just read it to you, and then you will know what I'm talking about. Daniel 7, 13 through 14 said, Behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, like a figure, like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of, the day, of days and was presented before him. 
And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, all nations, all languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdoms one day shall not be destroyed. Daniel is seeing a vision in the last, last judgment day. Someone is coming down from heaven. And he said, I saw a figure of man. The son of man is coming down. And that man figure is the one who will take charge. He's prophesizing about Jesus' second coming. Right? He, who is he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. And then Jesus saying, I am the one who came, who will be coming from heaven. I'm the one that Daniel was describing. I am the Son of Man. So only Jewish people will understand and its context, when he calls himself the son of man, that means when he calls himself the son of man, it means he's saying, I am the divine. I'm the one who's coming from the ancient of days. I'm the one who's coming from God himself. I am the Messiah that you've been waiting for. I'm the one that Daniel prophesies. I'm the one who gives and has all authority. I'm the one who has authority over all world and all dominions and all kingdoms. I have power thus to forgive sin. I am divine. That is what he's claiming here. Do you see? Jesus has the power to forgive sin, meaning Jesus is. God, he is the divine. And as our ultimate need is not the physical, as I said before, but spiritual, guess what? As our ultimate problem is that we are separated from God by sin, what's the ultimate reason for Jesus to come to this earth? Jesus came to provide the forgiveness of sin. That's what we preach here in this place. That's what we've been preached to from the very beginning. Jesus came to save the lost. As he died on the cross, as the atoning sacrifice, whoever believes in Jesus Christ as their Savior, as their Lord. And whoever believes in him and follows him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Forgiveness is the greatest gift to human, mankind. Why? Because our greatest need is a spiritual paralysis under the power of sin greatest gift that God can offer you today is the forgiveness of sin. Through the forgiveness of sin, we can approach God as our Heavenly Father. We can have relationship with Him. 
We can actually understand who he is. We can actually call him Abba Father. We can actually talk to him every single day. We can actually ask God for our physical needs even. We can even ask God for all the things that we need and we want. And that relationship is amended, built upon. Now you become the people of God. So why do we come to Jesus first of most importance? Why do we come to him? So that we can be forgiven. So when you come to Jesus, you come to Jesus with repentance. And he has done what he came to do. He provided us the way of forgiveness and salvation. We should be thankful. Amen? But why is it we expect Jesus to provide every single fleshly desires and do not cheapen his ultimate reason for being here by, oh, he's just here to heal your, to provide you wealth and health. That's a secondary thing. That's the bonus that comes. Sometimes, sometimes not depending upon his will and his plan. But he came upmost first. Priority was to save us from sin, giving us the forgiveness. Amen. Know that. Then you will not fall into this scam or deception of the prosperity gospel. First thing first, Jesus came to save and give, forget, to, to give us the forgiveness of sins through the cross. Amen? Amen. Turn to the next person next to you and say, I am forgiven by Christ. Amen. Let's go to the third character in this story. Let's look at the friends. These friends are great friends, aren't they? They really care for this paralytic. And obviously we know four friends brought him with this portable bed, whatever you want to call it. And they were trying to get into Jesus and Jesus was preaching in this small house in Capernaum. And so many people were there. They're packed. No one can go through. And it was just crazy. And they knew somehow, they had faith in somehow, you know, if we get to him, we'll be able to, to see the power of Jesus healing our friend. What a faith. Four of them, they had faith. How do I know? Later on, Jesus actually says, when his Bible says, when he saw the faith of four friends, their faith, Jesus heals this man. Not just physical, but also spiritual paralysis. Remember, your sins are forgiven and get up and go. Right? So let's think about faith of four friends. Look at them. They had a great faith. Their faith was confident. These men believed Jesus could help their friend. I'm sure they could have they couldn't do anything in terms of their medical uh, technology. 
there's no way that this friend paralytic can be healed. But they really believed if we can just somehow get to Jesus, if we get this friend, this paralytic friend, this paralyzed friend, if we just bring him in front of Jesus, something amazing thing will happen. That's what their faith. They were so confident about that, weren't they? To the point where they went to the roof and they rip the roof down, someone else's roof. Why? They were so caught up with, they knew that we need to get this man to Jesus. And they did whatever they can. What a faith. They really believed. They probably heard about Jesus and all these miracles and all these miraculous power. And they said, we really need to bring our friend to Jesus. Their faith was confident in Christ. And they went. Secondly, their faith was compassionate, wasn't it? They really loved this paralytic friend. Paralytic. Right? They don't go to these measures for someone you don't really care about. You're trying to make a hole in someone's roof. Think about all this fuss. Or think about all this craziness. Think about when Jesus was preaching. You are inside of the room. And all of a sudden, something's happening in the roof. All the debris are coming down. And what? And they're all looking at them. And they're trying to open. By the way, the, um, probably the houses in the village of Capernaum during the time, it was not that hard. It was, a, it was not the cement that they used uh, to do for their roofing. Of course not. It was very easy to probably break, easier to break than nowadays. But anyways, they were trying to do that. Imagine all the people inside of the house looking at the roof and say, look at the ceiling and say, something is happening here. What's going on? And they were interrupting a service. Jesus is preaching. Jesus is giving words to, living words to these people. And all of a sudden, you're interrupting it. But they didn't care. You know why? They care about this friend. They said, let's get this man to Jesus. Let's get this friend to Jesus. They were really compassionate. They really care for this man. Don't you think? They went all the way. Last but not least, their faith was impactful and contagious. Mark tells us very little about this man lying on the mat, but imagine how this paralytic felt when his friend said, we're going to take you to this man called Jesus because we truly believe he can save you and he can help you. It's contagious, isn't it? I'm sure their faith challenged this paralytic to have hope. Their faith helps this man to believe in Jesus. And their, their faith brought this paralytic to Jesus who can heal and forgive. And imagine the impact that made upon this paralytic not only he was healed from this physical paralysis, 
but he was also forgiven. Right? He was free from the spiritual paralysis. Wow. Did you know, my brothers and sisters, your faith can change someone's destiny. As you believe in Christ with the heart of compassion, and as you bring someone to introduce to Jesus, as you believe that Jesus is the only one who can help this, your, help your friend, your friend can be healed physically, even spiritually. Your friends can be forgiven by Christ. What are you waiting for? Your faith can impact your loved ones. I know some of you still have your loved ones not having faith in Christ Jesus. Don't give up. Believe in Christ. Trust Him. And you bring them to Christ. And let the Lord heal them. Let the Lord forgive them. Your faith will impact them. Amen? Are we all the product of someone's faith? I am the product of someone's faith. My parents, my grandparents, my pastors, my Sunday school teachers who had faith in Christ that only Christ can save this young man, this boy. They prayed. They brought me to church. They taught me the Bible. They constantly introduced me who Jesus was. And that's who I am. I believe in him. I worship him and I give my life to him. That's why I remember my grandmother before she passed. She said, you are my prayer answered. We are the product of someone's faith. Amen. What are you waiting for, my brothers and sisters? Activate your faith for the salvation of your loved ones. Pray for them. Bring them. Let them come. Let them hear the message. Let them encounter Jesus and see what happens. Amen? Now, at this juncture, what can we learn from faith of these four friends in terms of our evangelism, in terms of our witness. Three things that I would like to kind of think about. First, our witness of the gospel must focus on the spiritual need first. When you preach the gospel, what do you preach? You preach the gospel. What do you preach? You preach the forgiveness of sins. Don't say, oh, Jesus will heal you first. No. Don't say, oh, Jesus will make your life happy. That's all true. But that's not the ultimate thing that you're offering, isn't it? What do we preach? We preach the gospel. What's the gospel message? Forgiveness of sins. 
spiritual paralysis we need to first deal with. Amen. It's a good thing we must. Well, the second point is that we must recognize the physical need of the people, yes. But first, utmost importance is this spiritual need. When you're dealing with your friends, yes, you can have a good time. Yes, you can have a good time and we can talk about all kinds of fun stuff and you hang out. That's great. But I'll tell you, do you see their spiritual paralysis if they don't know Jesus Christ? If you're a true friend, don't you think you should at least talk about the spiritual need? And I tell you, the spiritual need is not for only for the poor people, also rich people as well. Not just for the uneducated people, but also educated. It does not matter who you are, where you are from. It does not matter what kind of person you are. We all need Jesus. Why we all have this spiritual paralysis under the power of sin. And gospel tells us you can be free as you receive forgiveness of sin as you put your trust and faith in Christ Jesus. And when you give your life to Christ and follow him in your life, no more the life of sin, but the righteousness of Christ. Someone's destiny will change. So focus on that. Pray for that. When people ask me, can you pray for this person? He's not a Christian, but he's going through these tough times because of the disease or something. Yeah, I pray for that, but you know what I pray for first? I pray that somehow that person will see Jesus. Rather than the physical healing people need, no. First, they need spiritual healing. Our witness must focus on the spiritual need first. That's why when we do missions, yes, by the way, we do participate in the medical missions in the Philippines with Alliance Our Christian Ministry and other. We actually gather all the doctors and dentists, and also we will uh, gather some optometrists as well. We will bring people together, and we do go to the town to town. For free, we give out. And we used to give out all the medicines for free as we are... Uh, receiving all the medicines from the pharmaceutical companies, billionaires. But anyway, we, that's important too. But you know what? We forget, not, we forget not to preach the gospel. Why? We're there not to just give them the, to meet their physical needs. We're there to what? First, their spiritual needs. We share the gospel. Yes, we share the gospel through action as well, but also through words. It's always word and deeds. Amen? Always. In a way, deeds will build up the credit, build up the way in so that we can share the gospel. But someone needs to hear, so focus on that. Second, our witness must recognize the physical need as well as we work primarily to keep people from eternal suffering, but also let's work diligently to care for the people for their physical needs. Why not? As much as we can. 
If there's someone needs food, we should feed them as much as we can. Don't neglect their physical needs. If someone needs medical attention, as much as we can, we give. That's why I believe the Christians are to be generous. We need to learn to be generous. We need to learn to take care of our people. First practice amongst the church. Man, this generation is so stingy, so selfish. And don't you ever just keep pocket change as an offering. That's another sermon. We'll talk about that later. But I want, to, I want us to know, yes, let us not neglect the physical need of others. Amen? If someone in need of help, why not help? Very important. And especially nowadays, the most powerful tool for us to share the gospel message to the world is through our actions of mercy. Through our actions as we not neglecting the physical needs of people. Amen. Last but not least, our witness can be only possible through our action of faith. Just like these four friends, faith. Activate your faith. Believe. Do you truly believe the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for those who believe? May I ask you that? Do you truly believe that you are saved by the power of the gospel as you received? And do you truly believe in Jesus that he is your Lord and Savior and your God? If you truly believe, don't you think other people also need Jesus? Isn't that going to work for them? Believe for them as well. I know as my faith in Christ, as Christ has changed me and saved me, I know he will work. Christ will save and forgive and change this person as well. I believe it. We believe it. Then we will be able to do what God has called us to do. This passage clearly tells us about what actions of faith is all about. It teaches us about what kind of faith we need to build upon, build in Christ Jesus. It tells us about us, about the condition of the world. It tells us about who Jesus is. And it tells us about what we need to do as God's people. Amen? It is my prayer. As you continue to seek his word, we will serve the Lord together as we activate our faith because Jesus is our God. Amen? Let's pray.